Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Selling a little? Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Can't bring in receipts if I got the cash right. of everyone's business but mine with me, Kara Berry. I'm going to start off with a couple of things. First of all, we are, you know, having a snow day in New York right now. It is extremely windy and there are also just plops of snow that have been falling (laughs) from, you know, above me down to the floor, down to the ground. And it's making things very loud and not great for sound quality. I apologize if you hear any banging or what sounds like a wind tunnel. My apologies. Mother nature. What can you say? Secondly, I want to apologize because usually the space Friday episode has been, you know, taken over by Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, but something happened. I saw a name trending on Twitter last night and I thought, hmm, Do I really want to go there? Generally speaking, I do not care for this person. But something all, you know, over the course of the last 18 hours has been calling me, calling me, calling me. Kara, watch this and just see how you feel. I sat down, went on the motherfucking YouTube and was like, let me watch this 25 minute video of Jamal, Pastor Jamal Bryant on a Zoom call recording with his binder. 
Y'all, what the hell was that? I am so glad that I listened to my inner voice because from a psychological standpoint, and, you know, I'm a psychologist. (laughs) I'm not. I am just nosy. And I think I know a lot about how people work. From a psychological standpoint, this was one of the more fascinating things. And I think if you have an inkling about Jamal Bryant that you can't shake, if you have a feeling that something isn't quite right there, I would highly suggest you watch this clip before I uh, talk about it. But if not, I think I'm providing you guys with all of the information that you need. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Let's talk about it. So like I said, it's a recorded Zoom call. There, Why somebody didn't edit the beginning of this where he's just like playing on his phone and Jingle Bell Rock is in the background. <laughs> I don't know, but that's okay. So he starts off by saying like, you know, I had something on my heart and I encourage everybody to share this with their circle. So he does like the typical thing that people do on Instagram stories where they really want not Instagram live, where they really want the clout where it's like, I'm going to give you guys a minute to, you know, join in. And, you know, so everybody has an opportunity to hear what I have to say. So it starts off very like pompous, I would say kind of like erring on the side of narcissism of like, Oh, people have been waiting for this. I know they have. And so I'm going to make a moment out of this. Now, I understand this man, you know, does public speaking for a living. If we want to break it all the way down to its most simplistic terms, he is supposedly very charismatic, supposedly very, you know, of the people, a voice of the people. Oh, yikes, yikes, yikes. So then he goes on to say, you know, like pat himself on the back by saying, you know, because he lives in Atlanta and there are the runoff Senate races that are happening. He's like, you guys didn't hear from me earlier because I was working on the campaigns for Raphael Warnock, who's my my frat brother and and John Ossoff to help them get elected, blah, blah, blah. So just like we're setting up the frame here of like, I'm above this. I'm booked and busy. I just like couldn't be bothered because I'm so busy trying to change this country. But if you guys want to hear from me so badly, I guess I'll have to address it. And then he goes on to say, he, he, the, what I'm about to say, what I just said and what I'm about to say is a series of Jamal telling on himself over and over, like can't keep the truth straight. I'm not going to sit here and call him a liar, but I will say that he has several truths that don't add up with one another. I'll say that. So let's start with this. So then he says, after he was talking about, you know, campaigning for Ossoff and Warnock, he was saying, you know, you know, I was also delayed by Giselle who asked him not to respond to anything that was said about him on the reunion or on the show. So Pretending I'm Jamal Bryant here. I know I was honoring her desire by not defending myself. But because of, quote, mounting moments that have happened in social media, I thought it was important to be prudent that my silence not be confused with consent. So basically saying like, yeah, like 
I basically, like, I didn't want people to think that, like, the rumors about me are true just because I'm not out there openly denying them. Fine. So then he says, those that know him know he's a straight shooter. So he wants to start off by, start off by saying that what he's doing tonight is not an apology or a confession. It's for clarification. Now, one of the biggest um, marks to me of somebody who's not to be trusted is when people say, like, everybody who knows me says this positive thing about me. Everybody who knows me says X about me. Okay, well, everybody who knows you is not standing on the Zoom. So, like, if you want people to be convinced of you being a good person, then be a good person. You don't have to say everybody who knows me thinks this about me. Well, you know what? You're a person who's in a position of extreme power and respect. And yeah, they probably do think that you're a good person, but maybe you need to consider because of the position that you're in, that maybe you're probably dealing with people who trust you blindly because of who you are and what you do for a living. I can get more into that, but I'm not going to. So I just think it's like really shady when you know, like everybody says this about me. Well, it's like, okay, well, a lot of people are saying other things about you. So, you know, like who, who are we to really trust here? So then he goes on to say, <clears throat> you know, for five seasons, I never said anything in a sermon in a post in a subtweet in a text about the show. And I average 56 interviews a year and I've never said anything good, bad or indifferent about Potomac or the housewives or whatever. And then he goes on to say, <laughs> you know, there are a couple things that I want to share that will be prudent. He loves that word prudent. Okay, first of all, we're just like running through a resume here of like all the reasons why you should believe me. And this is like, you guys, if you want to be seen as a good person, just be a good person. And I understand that like rumors fly, things get out of control. People find themselves in situations in which other people are making claims about them that are wildly um, unbelievable, but yet people are believing them. I fully get that, but like, we don't have to, before you defend yourself or clarify whatever the fuck, we don't need this whole laundry list of like, why you're to be trusted, why you're such a good person, why, you know, all of these acts of service that you're involved with, and he gets more into that later. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care, right? So then he says, you know, I, just to be prudent, first of all, one, I don't support most reality shows because I don't think that it represents the best of who we are, nor do I think that it advances or progresses us as a society, basically. And then he says, you know, it's been a bone of contention between Giselle and I, her participation on the show for years now and how he didn't support it, but due to quote baby steps of reconciliation that he's had with Giselle, um, against his better judgment and convictions, he went on the show and participated in the show and he wholeheartedly regrets participating and will never be on Potomac or anything in the franchise again, but he wanted everybody to know why. So let's break that down. Okay. 
First of all, I don't like the statement, like, you know, I don't support most reality shows because I, you know, I don't think that it represents the best of who we are. And, you know, do I think that it, it you know, it progresses us as a, a people, as a society? And it's like, shut up. <laughs> I don't like the respectability politics. Like, there is absolutely a time and a place for conversations like that to be had. But something about the way he says it was rubbing me the wrong way, the same way the women earlier in the season were having this conversation about how the Monique and Candace fight sets us back as black women and everything was taken away from us in that moment. And, you know, we have to do so much better. And like all of those things are true. But also, like I said, there's a time and a place for that and a way to go about communicating that. I don't think... This is like the time and place to have a conversation. Another thing that struck out to me is what he said that through um, baby steps of reconciliation with Giselle, he decided to join the show or, you know, be filmed. What does that mean? I, I noticed that any, there was never a point where he mentioned Giselle and their relationship in a way that made them seem like they're together, made it seem like he really loved her and that they're like, as a team doing this, I would think like if you were dedicated to your partner and the purpose of, and you were going to make a video that I would think that at least some of the purpose would be to say, we're together this is my lady. This is my partner. I don't like that she was put in a position of having to defend me because of my past behaviors. And I don't like that, you know, you know, there was nothing that stated any sort of support for Giselle or, you know, regret for how, his actions affect her because really not a lot of this is about Giselle herself. And by that, I mean like we're yes. Monique was digging out dirt about Giselle and, and Jamal's relationship, but a lot of the stuff that he addresses were about, Things that were said about him by his children, by his father-in-law, former father-in-law. Things that were said, you know, by Monique. But I just felt like, if you care about this woman, then why was there no point, any sort of defense of her? It was very strange. Or any defense of their relationship by saying, like, we're happy. This is my partner. I will defend her. I'm doing this because of her. Or, you know, it was basically like, she begged me not to say anything, but I did it anyway. Because I can't stand not having attention. And when people are going to talk about me, like, I need to address it. Honestly, like, if you want to make the case for saying, like, my silence would have basically equaled being complicit or or a non-denial of my, the rumors and allegations that have been made against me, then, like, I don't know. I just think it's very strange. I think it's very, very strange. So... 
yeah, like he never said anything about the current state of their relationship. Talking about baby sets of reconciliation when Giselle is on the interview couch and in production saying like, we are fully back together. You know, we have a reputation to maintain, you know, so I can't sit here and have this conversation about how, what Monique did. And, you know, she's doing a lot of defense of him. Like they're on a team, but I don't see it happening from Jamal. Not at all. And okay, fair. You weren't on the show leading up to this. You didn't say anything. Okay, great. All of those, like, on average, 50, I have 56 interviews on average every year, and not once have I said anything about the show. And it's like, well, is that because you were doing that for Giselle? Or were you doing that because you weren't involved on the show? And and so, like, if you can't, if you aren't on screen, then, like, it's no benefit of you to talk about the show. Or is the truth some combination of all of these where Giselle's saying that, you know, they've always been friends and they always, she and Jamal talk all on the phone all the time and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and you know, he's been actively trying to get her back and I I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And, and it's things like this that basically just confirmed for me the fact that like, if they're together, then it must be two kinds of togethers in relationship. And like their version of together is not the version that I want ever. Thank you. (laughs) So let me move on. So he then says, okay, so he went from saying, I've never spoken about the show. Then he says, I'm doing this against Giselle's express wishes to not discuss things on the show. And then he says, that he took a couple of days to talk about the reunion so he wouldn't operate under emotionalism. And so it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> did Giselle not want you to do it and you did it anyway? Or was it because you never talk about the show or, and now you had to, or was it, you know, because you didn't, you wanted to, you didn't want to uh, say anything in, initially in the first 24 hours or right after the show aired because you were trying to cool down which one is it were you busy campaigning for warnock that's excuse number four that you've given anyway he says okay so i took a couple days so i wouldn't operate under emotionalism and then he opens up the binder and he says and this is why you will never see me on Housewives of Potomac ever again. And I also thought it was interesting. He did a Danielle Staub uh, clarification where Danielle went on Watch What Happens Live and says, you will never see me on the Real Housewives in New Jersey again. <laughs> it's like, okay, why are you spe- specifying Potomac, Jamal? Is it because you live in Atlanta? And there's an opportunity to, for you to be on that show? <laughs> because he keeps specifying, I will never be on Potomac again. I will never be on that show again i will never be on that franchise again and i hear it i hear it so then jamal says that you know his participation on the show or his portrayal on the show has been a gross misrepresentation of his ministry character and humanhood has it because let's talk about like what we have seen of you on the show we've seen your daughters repeatedly express the fact that they are uncomfortable with getting back together with your mom. 
We've seen your father-in-law talk shit about you and your six or seven baby mamas. And we've seen this very brief clip. I don't know. It just seems like he's been waiting this entire time to address everything. And now he's bringing elements into it that make it sound very jumbled. And like, you just sound hurt. You just sound hurt. So let me expand on this. Um, He says a couple things that happened this season require his immediate address. These are things... That happened months ago. So, (laughs) okay. So the first were accusations of abandoning his family, in particular the photo shoot that he missed a couple weeks ago. And he says, you know, he was delayed in Germany on his way back. So he was in South Africa. He had a layover in Germany. He ended up having a delay in Germany, which, you know, so he was going to go from South Africa to Atlanta and then to dc and you know one link of the travel got messed up and so it delayed everything basically then he says everybody in production knew giselle knew the producers knew blah 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 he said but it was never mentioned on the show it jamal it absolutely was mentioned by giselle (laughs) she 100 percent said his plane got delayed. He was supposed to go from Atlanta to, to Potomac. Things happened. He got delayed. Now, what I'm guessing he saw was all these people making jokes about him getting a manicure in the airport, which I made. <laughs> I made on the What Else Is Going On podcast not the other day. And, okay, but Giselle did claim that. So, to say that, like, you're now suggesting that production is being shysty. And that they're trying to um, have this narrative of you being shitty, but then there being no explanation. And that they just want to drive the storyline of, like, you being an absent, absentee father for the hell of it. Didn't happen. 100% Giselle explained why you weren't there. But nobody cares. Nobody cares. And maybe that's something that you need to focus on. Okay. So then he says, he goes on to say, this wasn't in real time. The scene didn't happen in real time because they were doing a shoot for holiday photos. You know, this wasn't filmed in real time. This was filmed a year ago. Like, yeah, dummy. Everybody knows that. (laughs) Everybody knows this didn't happen two weeks ago. And what does that have to do with anything? Like, first of all, everybody knows that you weren't in South Africa a month or two ago. We all can understand why that wouldn't have been ha- why that wouldn't have happened. Jamal, <laughs> first of all, um, and secondly, like, what is what does this being in real time have to do? I think what he was trying to say is like, yeah, maybe me and my daughters were in a different place then, but like we're okay now. But then also that doesn't make sense because he proceeds to do another resume. So if we've just gotten like, I'm a good guy. This is why you haven't seen me on the show. This is why I haven't talked about it. I'm so busy. Now we're getting the I'm a good dad resume. Then he says this was the first year of all the years that his girls have been in school that he was not there for um, pick up or drop off on their first day of school. And then he goes on to say, those of you who have had teenagers 
know what it's like to, for, you know, the emotional roller coaster of teenage girls. So is this his nod and his reference to them talking about him on the show? I think it is. And if that's what your defense is, that's fucked up. But wait, there's more. He says that the girls are more daddy's girls and everybody knows that. And a lot of the times when they go to school, they're wearing new birth, the church that he is a pastor of, merchandise, clothes and hoodies and stuff. And that they watch him, his sermon every Sunday online or on the TV or whatever. Okay. So, (laughs) basically, what I'm hearing is that, like, you're determining your relationship and your closeness with your daughters on what they do for you, how they support you, how they watch you on TV, how they wear your, your clothes, your merch, how, you know, but also they're so emotional. You know what it's like, fellas, moms and dads, you guys know what it's like to have teenagers that are emotional? Um, yeah, there's a difference between having a hormonal kid and a kid who says to their mom, I don't really feel comfortable with you getting back together with my father because of how he treated you. Those are two different planets. (laughs) There's a very vast difference between I'm just an emotional teen and, ugh, dad's coming to our photo shoot. Why? (laughs) He's not part of the family. Or um, when your daughters are telling their mother that you're basically performative and that the only half the time the reasons why he calls them is so that he can then end the phone call, tell Giselle that he just talked to them on the phone. Performative fatherhood. That is not the result of an emotional, hormonal set of teenagers. (laughs) That is a result of three very smart girls who see what is going on within their family and they don't like it and they're speaking up about it. But you're just acting like, oh, they love me so much. Uh, They were wearing a new birth hoodie to school. They love me so much. They watch me at church. Like, well, they probably wear your merchandise because... It's comfortable and athleisure is in. They probably watch you on TV because they have to. Because Giselle probably makes a big fuss about it every week. And they're forced to. You know? This was so... It was such a confirmation about his relationship with his daughters (laughs) that I think he didn't even... He clearly didn't even realize how bad that sounded. Yeah, I'm a product of divorce. You know, my parents divorced when I was eight years old. So, like, I know, you know, as as a daughter, uh, uh, you know, as a child who received, you know, the entirety of the limited to fall winter collection in sixth grade, including the purple and silver, um, you know, limited to brand caboodle. I understand a performative divorced dad when I see one. I know what I'm looking at, okay? I I just know what's happening. I got the robe, the PJs, how many outfit sets, y'all. Like, this man was, like, balling out of control. (laughs) 
because, you know, I lived in a different state and he just, he wanted everybody to know. I dropped racks on racks on my baby girl at the limited two and everybody's going to know it. So I'm just saying like, you know, (laughs) I know what I'm looking at. I know what I'm looking at. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So... Then he says, like, I, 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 I just don't know. And then he says the next thing is, like, um, there were pejorative. Sorry. Sorry, y'all. He says the next thing that he wanted to address um, that was put out there pejoratively were discouraging remarks made by my father-in-law. So we all know. We caught Giselle's dad at the um, restaurant opening for the girls. He had to excuse himself from sitting at a table with Giselle and Jamal. And we got a hot mic situation in which he was saying, he, what am I doing here? This dude's got six and seven baby mamas. And, you know, he's basically just a hoe. <laughs> We're going to keep it real. So... How is this put out pejoratively? Because he said it and they heard it. So my assumption is that he's saying that like, oh, this was a hot mic situation, but the show decided to just air it anyway to make me look bad. Why does he think that Bravo has such a chip on their shoulder about Jamal Bryant that they need to make him look bad? We don't (laughs) like it's not adding up for me. It's not adding up for me. And I also think it's like shitty to say like, oh, it was, they were discouraging remarks made by my father-in-law. Well, no, 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 (laughs) nope. So then Jamal goes on to say that he's old school and he respects his elders and that uh, that Giselle's uh, dad has every right to say how he feels. Okay, so was it pejorative or not? Was it discouraging or not? Then Jamal says another thing where he thinks that he's saying one thing, but he's really telling on himself. He says in the ten, they've been divorced for 10, 11 years now. Since that time, he has never had a man-to-man talk with Giselle's father about breaking her heart, but anyone who is married knows it's a process and a journey with your in-laws. You guys have been divorced for 10 years now. The reason why 
Giselle's father didn't come to your original wedding was because you cheated on her. And so you're telling me over the course of y'all's marriage and subsequent divorce, so we're talking more than, I don't know how long they were married, but we're talking more than a decade of time. Let's say they were married for five years. We're talking now 15 years in which he has never, he admits to never having a man-to-man talk with Giselle's father about his behavior, about his constant cheating. And now you're talking about it being a process and a journey. When we saw him at the table, it, it, it just doesn't make He was like fumbling. He wasn't really making eye contact. You know, it was just pointless. And so if you want to talk about like this being discouraging, it doesn't make sense to me. It does not make sense to me. He's stupid. <laughs> he's really stupid. And then he says in the in the um in the ten years since he's been divorced, he's only seen Giselle's dad a handful of times. But he wants to Giselle and the girls to know that he honors their respective father and grandfather. Well, then, like, why even say any of this then? If you honor him. And you respect your elders. This is very frustrating to me. Like, why do you need them to know? Why don't you let him know that you respect him? Because in the, I haven't spoken to him and it's a journey with your in-laws. And like, did you respect, did you have a man-to-man conversation with him when you cheated on Giselle the first time? Did you have a man-to-man conversation with him when you found out that she wasn't that he wasn't coming to the wedding? That seems like a great time to address it. When your wife, who you allegedly love, can't even have her dad walk down the aisle. Something that I'm sure was probably very important to Giselle. You you couldn't have a man-to-man conversation then, and not during this whole time of you being number one dad. Could you have had a conversation with him? And not during these, um, you know, um, bit by bit reconcil- reconciliation, baby steps of reconciliation that you had with Giselle. But you could put a mic on, but you couldn't apologize to, you can have a man-to-man talk with her dad. But you could roll that, roll that beautiful bean footage on me. I'm ready for my close up, Mr. DeMille. Okay. Okay. So then he says, and he was waiting for this, y'all. He opens the binder again. He was like, I just want to make sure that I'm on the right page of my binder because you can't bring receipts if I've got the cash register. So let me open the register. I'm doing the jacking off moment movement right now. Okay. He was waiting to say that. Like, oh, you guys might have the receipts, but I've got the cash register. Hmm. <laughs> like, that, like barely makes sense, Jamal. Like, that's, that's. You know, it's giving me, like, morally corrupt Faye Resnick being like, no matter how many Chanel bags you own, you'll never be a lady. (laughs) It's like, you tried so hard on that. I know he did. I know he tried so hard, or somebody said it to him, or he saw it in some, like, kind of Instagram meme a couple months ago, and he was like, oh, I'm ready, or, you know, he watches 
Real Housewives of Atlanta, probably, you know, because he used to fuck Phaedra and, you know, saw Kenya say it and was like, oh, I'm going to use that in the future. I'm going to use that. Then he admits to dating somebody in New York. Now, this is a woman that Monique had pulled out her binder about and said, oh, I've got these screenshots. Is his 410 number his Jamal's real number? And, you know, pulling out all the text messages from that. So this was, (laughs) this was wild. (laughs) This was so wild. So then he goes on to say, like, you know, I, I admit I was seeing somebody in, in New York and, you know, I've been divorced for 11 years and, you know, in case you've missed it, single people date. Okay, fair. That's fair, Jamal. But the point of it wasn't that you were dating somebody. The point of it was that you were dating somebody while claiming to see Giselle, but only like, like we're going to pretend date me and you Giselle so that it can be a storyline for the show. Nobody cares. (laughs) Who, Who gives a shit if Jamal Bryant has a girlfriend? Nobody. The pro the issue is that you have this girlfriend and you were assuring her that all of this was this Giselle stuff was for the show and that it doesn't matter. Like, we're just doing this for the applause here. The story is not that you dated somebody, Jamal. Like, literally nobody cares. <laughs> so then he goes on to say, like, you know, he, he tries to explain this mistress. He uses the term mistress and he says, you know, you can't have a mistress when you're single. So did you just admit to not being with Giselle? (laughs) Okay. Okay. And then he says, you know, it just, the relationship between them didn't work out. Nothing unethical happened. You can't have a mistress when you're single and that they've, he basically just said that she was like, pussy. Dan basically said, we've never been to each other's homes and she's never been to his church. Okay, so she was just a booty call, a little hotel booty call when you were in New York to get it in. Okay, fine. You've been single. Do you? Um. So then he goes, <laughs> if you're going to show text messages, show all of them. And then the examples of his text messages to this woman to show that like, I, I honestly don't know what he was trying to prove with this other than he is an asshole. <laughs> Oh, this was so weird, y'all. This was so weird. So, you know, if you're going to show text messages, show all of them. And then he starts with the first example was when this lady asked to come to Atlanta, she texted him because when he moved to the new church, it you know, it's like a big deal. His first day. So she texts him, wants to go to his like induction into new birth, right? He told her no. Okay. Um, she asked to come down for Memorial Day. Also told her no. Then he notes a text from January 5th. Now I need, he should have explained which year that was. Because if it was January 5th of this year, I have questions. It was January 5th of uh, 2020, I have questions because... 
2019. It couldn't have been this year. Because then you're basically just saying that you and Giselle are not together now. Was it last year? Because I think Giselle was claiming that y'all were together at that point too. So which January 5th was it? But anyway, he says... Um, the, the lady, he had hired, he had had a new hire for this church. He hired a full staff. So this lady texted him saying like, oh, I heard you hired this new chick. Are you sleeping with her? And he does this whole thing about like, no, miss, I would never, I've never met this lady before. I did not have sexual relations with her. We just met through a very exhaustive hiring process. She was the most qualified person. And so that's why she's here. I would never sleep with her. <laughs> it was the whole thing about like how he wouldn't sleep with her because, and, and I get it. You don't want to have a situation where I guess you feel like you're fucking people that you pay for. Basically your employees, you, you, right? Fine. But again, this is not the point, Jamal. Nobody thinks you me too, this woman. They just think, you know, like whether or not you slept with an employee and all this drama that you have with this woman in order to what? Because you just said that you were in a relationship or that, that you were seeing somebody or that you're allowed to date somebody when you're single, right? So you're admitting to being with this woman, but and also being like, oh, well, we weren't really together like that. Look at all these times where she wanted something more and I told her no. Like, what is the point of that? What is the point of that? So then she sent another text or, or an email because she had it. She was writing a dissertation about female empowerment and she wanted him to read over it. And so he told her that it was lacking in depth and that it needed to be completely redone. Another thing that I thought was pretty rude. Like, I, I do and don't want to know more about this relationship because it sounds like he just wanted to get laid she wanted more. He didn't care about her at all. Again, I do not know what he's trying to prove with these text messages. So then he says, and it will also like, why would you send a man <laughs> to look over your work of, of about feminism, your pro-feminism dissertation? Why would you send that to a man? I'm not even going to diss you by saying why you would send it to that one. Although I, I would like to know the answer to that. Why would you send it to any guy? Anyway. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. 
Um, so then what happens after that? So, okay. So all of his... <laughs> so then he says, the woman basically, he feels took advantage and that he is now a victim of this woman that he already confirmed that he was seeing. And then he says that the woman sent these 20, these messages, these text messages between them to 27 different blogs. I don't know how he got information about that, but he says she sent it to 27 different blogs. 25 of them turned him down because they didn't think, you know, they didn't think there, there was any merit to them. So then this woman took it further, sent the messages to the executive production team of Potomac. They didn't bite. And so then she sent it to the whole cast member. The only point, the only point I will make that I will say that Jamal had a good argument towards. He said, if you're writing a dissertation about female empowerment, why would you then send these messages to everybody in the cast except for Giselle? Wouldn't that, wouldn't you want her to be empowered with this information too? And to which I have to say, touche, fair. That is a fair question to ask. Yeah. <laughs> if you wanted her to, I mean, yeah, it does sound like she's a little bit pissed off, but yeah, one, one good point. Okay. Um, so then he claims that this woman is trying to, <laughs> again, he's very mean. He says that this woman and her sister are trying to create a blog, but it is very fledgling. It has low circulation and poor editing. <laughs> is that like a Trumpian sort of thing? Like, oh, oh she tried to write a blog, but you know, poor editing. Very, very, very low, low circulation. It was very bad, very bad read. <laughs> this was the first and last time I've tried to do a Trump impersonation, you guys. So hold this in your hearts dearly. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I'm, I'm blushing because that was really embarrassing. <laughs> Let's move on, move on, move on. Um. So then he says, yeah, basically he was a victim of this woman. She had what he thinks tried to reach out to him because of this blog, she was trying to get clout off of him, trying to figure out his whereabouts so she could like spill tea on him. And, you know, but he knew better. He knew better. At what point did you know better after you stopped wanting to have sex with her? Mm. So then he flips to the Monique section of his binder. <laughs> I have been talking about this for so long, y'all. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm going to finish this really quick. He says that he's never met Monique, nor has he ever been in a room with her, but she's assassinated his character. And then he goes on to say, now on national television, you labeled me a holy whore. I believe that's the word you use. Holy whore. <laughs> and honestly... Hearing him refer to himself as a holy whore was worth all 25 minutes of this, of this video. So he says he has no babies nor inappropriate relationships with any of the women in his church. Then he says that basically the only reason why Monique put this story out about Giselle and, and Jamal was because there was a story about her that was going to come out that 
Monique thought was um, put out there by Giselle. That rumor being that her baby is from the trainer, not from Chris. So, and this is stuff that Monique has said in like Instagram lives and stuff that they had made like a conscious effort to try and put that out there. I think she said that about Giselle and maybe also Candace and possibly even uh, Robin to a certain extent. So then, you know, this man who has spent the past 20 minutes being like, holier than thou, I'm so great, I'm just a sweet, innocent little baby angel, and everybody, everything that happens is just like, you know, I'm just being this participatory dad and, and you know, former husband, and everybody's just coming for me, like, why is everybody so mean to me? This shit that he says was actually really fucked up and vile. Way more fucked up than him saying, having rumors of of having a girlfriend. <laughs> if we're, we're going to break it down. Of him having a girlfriend and was having a relationship with Giselle for show. So then he says, <clears throat> well, first of all, he has to stop because he can't read his own writing. That was also very funny. But then he gets it together. He says, Monique, yeah, we redirected that story. But the person who was actually putting that story out was not Giselle, but actually Monique's good friend or former best friend, a woman named Gigi. Then Jamal says that Monique has misdirected rage because Chris has an anger problem and he doesn't mind expressing volatile behavior. And then he says, everything I'm saying is not conjecture. Meaning like, y'all can sue me. I'm telling the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Opening himself for a lawsuit right there. Then he says, um, he invites everybody to watch the next part of the reunion because he says, Chris Samuels tries to come after Giselle and Robin and security had to be called and that he needed to be subdued. And then he says that Chris needs to take care of his CTE and that some of his former teammates have reached out to Jamal concerned about Chris and that last week Chris has what Jamal refers to as an outbreak in which Chris yells at a woman in a safe way. And he says that he has footage of it, but he doesn't want to show it. And then he goes on to say that he even reached out to Chris and Monique's pastor to get the help that Chris so desperately needs. So y'all know what CTE is. It's a thing that has been, you know, I think especially with the Aaron Hernandez murder case, like I don't watch football I could not care less but I'm sort of know weirdly a little bit about CTE um so it's you know something that they say happens because of you know all of the basically like an excessive amount of head trauma that comes with playing football right so it can cause suicidal ideations it can cause uh, rage, anger, abuse, all sorts of things. They found out when, um, after Aaron Hernandez passed that he had like a wild, wild case of it, like a really severe traumatic case of it. 
And that probably contributed to, you know, the fact that he killed a lot of people. Um, that being said, what I do know about CTE is that this is something that cannot be diagnosed because they have to look, they have to like chop up your brain. So they can't diagnose that until after you've passed away. There are obviously warning signs, but there's really no way to diagnose it by somebody, you know? I think it's really irresponsible and stupid to claim that somebody has CTE. I think, you know, the Samuels, if y'all want to contact your lawyer, I would maybe, maybe do it now. Um, I think it's rude. I think it's really awful to basically put uh, abuse claims on somebody. Somebody that you just admitted to having never met his wife. And claiming that you have photo ev- or video evidence of something, but then don't put it out. Chris could have yelled at a woman at a Safeway for any number of reasons. CTE could be one of them. But it could also just be anything. Who knows what that lady did? Who knows what happened? Who knows what happened in that situation? He could be, he could have been completely in the wrong, but we'll never know because you don't want to drop that footage that you claim that you have. Okay. And then to do this, like, I reached out to his pastor so that they could get the help that he needed. It's like, you're not, neither of you guys are doctors. If he really has, like, a medical condition, then that's something that, like, I think advances have been made where they can, like, maybe predict or, you know, like, have a, you know, like, we, they can't guarantee it. But there are a lot of advancements that are being made that they can say, this looks like potentially CTE, but again... They don't know until after they check your brain when you die. So all of this was a stupid, foolish, (laughs) like, I just don't understand why he would feel the need to have said any of this. I don't understand. Had this been passed over? Any, any other eyes? any ears had or was this just the result of a bunch of yes men telling Jamal that he could say whatever he wants and that he has a right to address himself and yet this is what and he does have that right but it's like was this the right way to go about it in my estimation absolutely not so the video ends in you know Another point that he will make, a good point that he made. He says, the video is necessary because because of his failures in the past, it it leads people to believe things, you know, because I fucked up in the past, people are more likely to believe that I'm fucking up currently. And it's like, yeah, that's absolutely the case. (laughs) That's absolutely the case. So I'm glad that you at least had that little tiny bit of introspection to know that's why people believe these things about you. And then he tells people, don't come for me unless I invite you. Another Kenya quote, Quenny Moore pull quote here. And then he says back to, you know, just right around to that cul-de-sac. I have to go. And a lot of people are saying, oh, don't leave just yet. 
you're walking away from the situation, but I'm really busy because after this, I have to do charity. I have to make sure that these less fortunate children, um, have food and, you know, you know, all the charity that I'm doing, all the charitable acts that I'm involved in. And so I, I gotta go, you guys, (laughs) I'm busy. Fuck off. (laughs) Fuck off. I, like I said, I encourage you guys to watch this. Let me know what your thoughts are on it. Leave them in the comments on the Instagram. Let me know what you guys think. I thought this was an absolute confirmation of every assumption that I had made about Jamal. And... Sorry for you. Sorry to that man because it's not working out for you. All right, you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. I cannot believe that I sat here and talked about this for twice as long as the actual video was, but here we are. Thank me for speaking. Love you.